He keeps saying that. We don't do much, you know. <laughs> we get blessed by standing at the back and praying for you. What a blessing and a privilege that is for each each week to be here amongst you and, and getting to know some of you and your foibles and you my foibles. And It's nice to get to know people. I thought I might let you know that I'm a golfer. Not many know that. You make fun of Andy Lenton and Steve Riley often for being golfers. Well, I'm a golfer. <laughs> and I was asked, requested today, to bring a golf joke. Well, I'm not very good at telling jokes. So I found the smallest joke I could find. And it's here. It says, you're late on the tee, John. Yes, well, being a Sunday, I had to toss a coin to see if I should go to church or go and play golf. Okay. But why are you so late? I had to toss it 15 times. (laughs) So quickly on. (laughs) I hope you have ears this morning to hear what God has to say and hearts to receive what he has for you this morning because he does have something for each of us this morning. You know, it might just be a word. It might be a, a handshake from somebody It might be the word of God fully that you think, that's just for me today. I love it when you Christians come and say, they were talking to me today, that was just for me. It's so wonderful because you know that God's on your case. So let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much that you've brought each one of us here for a purpose this morning. It might be just for that hug But I know, Father, you want us to receive from your word today. So may we have ears to hear and hearts to receive the word for us in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Amen. So as I was dwelling on what to share today, I was reminded of an experience that I had many moons ago now. I'm quite old. In fact, it was over 30 years ago, and I worked out that that's actually 1,560 moons, if you're interested. (laughs) There are points in our lives, aren't there, that I believe they're like milestones. Things that you can look back on. You could even make a plaque, you know, look back on. They have a profound effect upon our lives. And this was one of mine. Thankfully, I've had many more since. Hopefully, we all have them Um, as we progress in our walk with God. Um, And it was a year that Pastor John Lancaster was one of the speakers at Elim Conference. I wasn't there in the actual message. I was a young pastor's wife with two small children. So I was at home with the children while my husband Dave was taking the Bible study at church. And I had the tape. Do anyone remember tapes? (laughs) I had the tape of Pastor John's message, which I thought I will listen to while I have some precious time on my own. And the title of his message was, and some of you will remember, Do you know the Lord? Do you love the Lord? And is he Lord of your life? And all I really remember now of that night was ending up on my knees before God and getting up a changed person. And I would say that from that night, my confidence in God has never slipped. It's, a, it's an honor to be able to say that. My confidence in God has never slipped. 
Recently, I've been going through um, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones' studies in 1 John. It's here. It's called Life in Christ. It's a heavy book of his sermons on the topic. Um, so I've been taking just a chapter at a time and using it as a devotion. I have a notebook with it, and I have a pen and underline and write things. And one of his focuses is on knowing God. And so I've been studying this, and I've been constantly reminded of that experience all those years ago. You know, whenever I'm asked to preach, it seems forever since I spoke here. So when you get up, it's like your first time again, (laughs) seeing all your faces. But when I am, um, it's like chewing the cud. You know how a cow, they rip grass up, they chew it, they swallow it, and it goes through the system, then they bring it back to the mouth and they chew it and they swallow it. And it's a little bit like that, where you go over and over things again. God gives me an idea, a scripture, a theme, and I think about it, and I dwell on it. And I might talk to Dave about it. And so all the time it's growing and developing, and it's a long time before I put anything on paper. And that's happened a lot with this message. I've gone to bed at night thinking about it and woke up in the morning and there's been more ideas and thoughts and scriptures and I've added and added. Then I write it down and then I type it on the laptop so that I personally get excited. I could never stand here and speak anything that has not spoken to me first. That is so important. And by doing this, you know, I've thought more about that original challenge. Do you know the Lord? Do you love the Lord? And is he Lord of your life? And it's made me think that if I don't really truly know God, how can I really love him? Because if I don't know him and understand what he's done for me, then why love him? If I don't know him, what would be my reason for loving him? If I doubt God, how can I really love him? If I don't love him, why should I do anything, he asks. And if I don't really love him, how is it possible to make him Lord of my life? See, knowing and loving involves trust and commitment and honesty. No way would you sensibly let somebody have free reign of you and your life if you didn't know them or love them. Do you know the Lord? Do you love the Lord? Is he Lord of your life? Good to ask ourselves questions. One, uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 tells us, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. In John 20, 30, 31, it says, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And then John writes in 1 John 5.13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life my question to us all this morning is do you know John was an eyewitness to everything that he writes about he saw 
and heard it all and put it in writing. So he wrote his gospel in order that people would know that Jesus was the Christ that they'd been waiting for. And so knowing that, they could put their faith in him. And by doing that, they would know true life. No. Then he wrote his letters. And he wrote them so that those who put their trust in Jesus would know that they have eternal life. There's no maybe. You know, see about it nearer the time. You know, these pictures of knocking on gate, heaven's gates and, well, have you done this, have you done that? No, no. I write these things that you know that you have eternal life. John was speaking to a people at a time where knowledge was being taught as the be-all and end-all. You needed knowledge. It was being promoted as the most important thing to obtain so John picked up on this theme. You find it throughout scripture that they're speaking to a people in a certain place, time, and things are happening around them. And the disciples, the writers would write about things they would understand at the time. That's what John does here. He picks up on this theme and he tries to get home to them that yes, knowledge was important. Knowledge is important, but it should be the knowledge of the one true God. And the knowledge that we should put our trust in is the knowledge that. Things like this. Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Trust in the knowledge that God in his great love for us sent his only son. Imagine sending your only son in somebody's place. To die in our place. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Trust in the knowledge that we can be totally free. John 8.36 So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Trust in the knowledge that we are forgiven completely. Acts 13, therefore, my brothers, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Trust in the knowledge that there is a place prepared for us in eternity. John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Trust in the knowledge that we can truly know God by the presence of his Holy Spirit in us. 1 Corinthians 3. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit lives in you? Trust in the knowledge that you are truly safe and secure in God. Psalm 139. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. What got me most when I wrote that scripture was that that person was trying to run away from God. 
He was saying, you know, I'm going to try and get as far away from God as possible. And yet here, he'd still guide me, still lead me, still hold me safe and secure. Even though I'm trying to get away from him. He's on our case all the time. Our God loves us so much. Do you truly know these things? Do you truly know that Christ died for you? That his love sent his only son to that cross for you? That we are totally free? That we are forgiven? That we have a place in eternity? That the spirit of God dwells within us? And that we're safe and secure in God? Do we truly know that? Have you heard how people say, I know that I know that I know? It's the solidness inside that keeps you strong, that keeps you going. I know that I know. There's a film called Summersby. If you're old enough, you've heard of it. I can't believe it goes back to 1993. Apparently, it's a remake of a story that was set in France. I think it was based on a true story. And people think it is a really bad remake. And I thought it was a really good film. Does that say anything about me? Anyway, anyway, this film is set in the time of the American Civil War. Summersby goes off to war, leaving his young wife, Jodie Foster, to look after their house and lands. And then years later, the man, Richard Gere, returns home to his wife and his land. Now, his wife's not sure that it's her husband. And yet, she cannot truly say that it isn't. It's so long since she last saw him. It's a look of him, but something is different. Anyway, they get on with life for a while. He makes his land prosperous by growing tobacco. He gives land to his slaves for them to develop it for themselves and become free men. He's kind, treats his wife well, and that's where he goes wrong. The man that went away was not kind at all. But to begin with, everyone gives him the benefit of the doubt, thinking maybe the war's changed him. But of course, people are fickle, and eventually the locals turn against him. And he's taken to court, accused of a murder that took place years and years earlier. Now he's got a dilemma. If he says he isn't Summersby, then the slaves will lose their land and go back to being slaves. And his wife will have been living a lie. But if he is Summersby, he'll hang for the murder. He walked back down and continues to insist that he is Summersby. And in one of the final court scenes, he's defending himself. His wife is in the dock and she's saying that he isn't Summersby because she doesn't want him to hang. And he's pressing her and he's asking, how does she know? It gets quite emotional and loud. And he keeps shouting, how do you know? She says, I know, but how do you know? And it goes back and forth for a while until she shouts, I know because I never loved him like I love you. And the silence in court. She knows. Deep inside, she knows him. And knowing him, she loves him. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones in this book says, Christians are not people who are in a state of uncertainty. 
The very definition of Christians in the New Testament is of a people who know who they are, what they are, and what they have got. They are not men and women who are hovering in the dark. I must let you into a little secret here. Going through this study of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, I think I've fallen in love with him a little bit. (laughs) This study has secured things in my spirit that I've always believed, but now I know. So I'll always be grateful for the Spirit of God leading me to this book. We need to be able to say, I know. I know without a shadow of a doubt that I am a child of God and he loves me. That Christ died for me. That I am forgiven. That I am a new person. That I have eternal life. I know that I know. And this is where we differ from the films and the books. Because our knowing should not just be an emotional feeling. Not just a deep down gut feeling. Our knowing has to be based on something beyond ourselves. We must never base our faith on feelings alone. We must base them on the word of God. How do we truly know that God loves us? Because we can read eyewitness accounts. Remember that. The word is not made up of man's imagination. It is made up of eyewitness accounts of Jesus being born, of Jesus living on earth, of people hearing his teaching, seeing his life, lives being changed, people watching him heal people, bring people back from the dead. Can you imagine walking with Jesus? And he says, hang on a minute, who's that man on on that funeral buyer? And the woman says, it's my son, he's my only son. Get up and walk. Can you imagine standing with him and seeing that? And that's what's written in our word. In the word of God are eyewitness accounts of seeing the dead raised. Of seeing him taken before the very eyes and hung on a cross to die. Being put in a grave. And then they went to the grave three days later and it's empty. Eyewitness accounts. Then again, they saw him with their own eyes, their friend and now saviour, alive in their midst. Here were some of Jesus' parting words to his friends. John 16, Jesus says, All this have I told you so that you will not go astray. Verse 4, I have told you this so that when the time comes you will remember that I warned you. Verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And in chapter 17, now this is eternal life. That they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Scripture is written with purpose. It's written for us. And through it we come to know that we know that we know. With such a deep assurance within our spirits that then drives us to love God in such a deep way that all we want to do is please him, obey him, see how he wants us to live and live that way. We seek to live a life worthy of the gospel, worthy of the good news that saved us. 1 John 2. We know... 
that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. What a great measuring stick for our lives. We know we've come to know him if we obey his commands. If we claim to live in him, we must walk as Jesus walked. So my question again to us today is, do you know that you know that you know? You see, it's a great honour to know the living God. It is a great honour to love and be loved by the living God. And it is a great honour to have the one true living God as Lord of our lives. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that we can know in the depth of our being that we are loved, that there's a place for us, that we're forgiven, that we're set free, that we are children of you, the one true living God. And I ask, Father, today for those that have not been sure that today will be a turning point. We will be a milestone for their lives that they can mark that this is the day they truly knew. And in their inner being, they truly know. I commit each one of us afresh into your hands that we would know you in our innermost being. In Jesus' name. Amen.